Thanks for joining us for another Grazia Life Advice podcast. You'll certainly recognise today's guest from all sorts of places over the decades, whether that's singing, dancing or TV presenting. Hi, I'm Alicia Dixon. I'm a singer, songwriter, author and television judge. And I'm very excited to be on the Grazia Life Advice podcast this week. Alicia Dixon is also the author of a host of children's books. Her latest, called Girls Rule, is a brilliant tale about a blended family at 10 Downing Street, inspired by the election of Kamala Harris as US Vice President. I'm super proud to have two girls of colour on the front of my book, but I'm getting to that place where I just want this to be, you know, normal for children to see themselves represented in books, that we don't necessarily have to continue the conversation because it's just something that's happening around us. Alicia was already a household name when she competed on Strictly Come Dancing, but she says she's so glad she didn't let people around her stop her from taking part. So I remember that meeting so clearly, and it was with a really high up record executive that said to me, don't go on Strictly Come Dancing, it'll be the end of your career. And I'm so glad I didn't listen to him. Also coming up, she tells us how it's been navigating the cutthroat world of television judging. Even, you know, when I started Britain's Got Talent, Amanda and I, we went for a coffee and sat down and had a really deep heart to heart. This was before we even did the first filming day of auditions. And we said, Mm. let's not allow the media to pit us against each other. Let's support one another. Let's be role models to our young girls. Alicia is such a great guest. I hope you enjoy our chat. Hi, Alicia. How are you? Do you know what? I'm not going to lie. I'm very tired. I sound like Barry White. I'm surviving on three hours sleep. I'm drinking hot shot and coffee. Here we go. <laughs> Do you I'm want slightly to delirious. I'm slightly delirious. So you might get a really funny interview. Um, oh, I don't want to explain. No, basically, when I'm, when I'm promoting and I'm working and I have late nights, my brain is overactive. I get really wired and then I struggle to sleep. And then that mixed with getting up at six o'clock in the morning just is, you know, when you have those sleeps where you're almost aware of your sleep, you're like in yeah. your thoughts during sleep. I know that sounds crazy. It's like your body never quite goes into that deep sleep. And I'm not one of these fortunate people that can survive on no sleep. Like I need a minimum of six hours to function properly. So bear with me. Mm. Other than that, I am rocking and rolling. I'm feeling good, feeling excited about my book and very, very happy to be talking to you today. Yeah, so you are on the promotional trail for your new book. And, you know, lots of our listeners will know you from, God, everything from Mystique, Strictly, Britain's Got Talent. But lots of our listeners will also know you as an author, and especially if their children are into your books. And you've got a new book out called Girls Rule. So could you just explain a bit first about what that what this new book is about? Yeah, so this is my sixth book, and it's a standalone book called Girls Rule. And essentially, it's about blended families and two families coming together, but all happening at 10 Downing Street because one of the young girls, Pearl, her mum becomes the first black female prime minister of the UK. And she moves into 10 Downing Street and lots of funny things happen. She meets her childhood sweetheart, Jackson, and he moves into Downing Street with his young girl, Izzy. And it's all about the kind of conflict between the two girls, which, you know, they're not happy about being t- their, their parents being together. And they go out of their way to try and split their parents up, which potentially could cost her her role as a uh, prime minister. So, but the reason I love this book so much is because 
I was inspired by Kamala Harris when I saw that she was running mm. for vice president. And I thought, wow, wouldn't that be incredible if we had that in the UK, like something historical, never been done before, you know, the first black female prime minister. I thought, wow, that would be an amazing thing to see in my lifetime. And then I thought, yeah. this would be brilliant for a book. But then also the fact that I've grown up in what I call, and I say this positively, a very dysfunctional family, a blended family. And I think that reflects a lot of modern society. And I just thought those two things combined could be really funny. You know, something inspiring and historical, but also something very relatable and very grounding and real. So I love that you go on a journey with these young girls and there's lots of shenanigans with the royals and politics politicians and dogs and uh, I really really hope that you know the young readers enjoy it just sounds like the kind of book you would have absolutely loved growing up um, exactly. and I know you say you know you you're inspired by Kamala you're inspired by elements of your own life but I know it's really important to you as well isn't it in all of your books that you include lots of children different backgrounds different races and and was this important in that book in this book too always but I'm getting to that place now where I just want it to be the normality and that, you know, of course, it's it's an important thing to talk about because I'm super proud to have two girls of colour on the front of my book. But I'm getting to that place where I just want this to be, you know, normal for children to see themselves represented in yeah. books, that we don't necessarily have to continue the conversation because it's just something that's happening around us. And yeah, in truth, you know, what you're saying, it really was the beginning of my journey as an author and why I really wanted to write children's books because I, I know the feeling of not feeling included. I know what that feels like. I, I was that kid and I loved books, but I always felt like they were outside of me and I wanted to feel a part of them. And so, and I didn't want my daughter to feel the same way. And, and now when she sees, you know, my books, I just, makes me feel really happy. And, and on World Book Day, she asked me if she could go to school dressed as Aurora Bean from Lightning Girl. And that made me so happy. I didn't have to force her. <laughs> I didn't have to ask her. She just said, mommy, this year I want to go as Aurora Beam. And I was like, yes, job done. And that's so important. And of course, I've had so many parents write to me and say, thank you. My daughter, you know, doesn't want Mm. to go to school dressed as a princess. She just wants to go as a really cool superhero. And, And even though, of course, this book is all about inclusion, this book has surpassed that. You know, it's really about great characters, really heartwarming, relatable stories, you know, having a sense of humour, writing about things that hopefully can be inspiring to all children from all different backgrounds. That's what that's what makes me feel most proud and, and motivates me to, to want to keep going. And yeah, it's a, it's a lovely feeling. I don't know if I'll, I'll understand the sort of magnitude of it till I sort of look back in years to come. But in a way, this generation, they're so lucky because the world is opening up and changing and in a way that that never happened when I was younger. And I look around me now and you see so many people doing brilliant things. And I think, yes, my daughter's growing up in a time where the world world is moving on and quickly because I think we're all waking up and realizing the importance of inclusion and diversity across all aspects of media. So that's, that's, that's only a positive thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You have such a varied career now. Where does writing fit into it? Is it one of your favourite bits? Is it a kind of a release for you? How does it mm. fit? Yeah, that's a good question because I I do juggle and I do I take on lots of different projects, but I the consistent thing is that it's always something I'm passionate about, feels authentic mm. and something that I really want to get behind and believe in. And there's always like a consistent thread in everything I do. So whether it's music, whether it's books, 
whether it's you know working on my own uh, company or brand, Noble Blue, everything I do, the 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 intention and the root of it is always something positive and something. Um, hopefully inspiring and, and you know whether it's working on the children's clothing collection where I try to weave in positive messages for children or the books where I encourage children to stand out and shine bright and not be afraid to be themselves mm-hmm. there's something that drives me about just wanting children to feel good about themselves and yeah. to realize they have something special to offer and I think whether it's connecting with people through music or through books or through television, whatever it whatever it is, I just, yeah, I'm very mindful of the platform I have and how that can be of service in some small way. And I always say that to people when they sort of doubt themselves. I always say one individual can, can have an impact. You know, one child can read a book and it could really change how they feel about themselves. Or somebody can listen to a song and it can really help them heal through something or watch a movie and um, make a connection with something that's happening in their life. And I think that's the responsibility of being in the world of art and entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's about human connections, translating real life stories into something beautiful that can hopefully be inspiring or hopeful or, um, yeah, just sort of help us all sort of navigate our way through this world, really, I think. But also doing it with a sense of humour and having fun with it, because I think that's the most important thing. And and that's also the responsibility of the the, the entertainment industry is to to bring light, to bring light to what can be quite a, a heavy, stressful, dark world at times. Yeah, all you can be is yourself. And so with me, I think I tried to be authentic, I tried to be honest, I tried to be real. And hopefully that comes across in all the different projects that I work on. And I really enjoy doing lots of different things. I think that's what Mm. keeps me entertained. And I think that's what stimulates me and motivates me. And I think it's so important to be present. Otherwise you miss everything. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the book is called um, Girls Rule and it's out yes. now. And I love, it fits perfectly in with your first piece of advice, which is support other women in life and work. So mm-hmm. is that something you always try and, is that one of your driving goals when you're considering what you're doing, what projects you're going to work on? Absolutely. And it's definitely the way I've been raised to support okay. other human beings in general. But of course, definitely mm-hmm. with females, it's been an important thing for me. If you think back to the beginning of, my career when I started in a girl group, that was all about being a team player. That was all about compromise, supporting one another, um, placing the responsibility of each other's livelihoods and careers in each other's hands. We were responsible for one another. So I had that discipline from a young age. And I think there's nothing more beautiful than seeing people align with one another and support one another. And I think there's, there's this negative evil trait that tries to creep in sometimes in humanity which is jealousy and being envious and resenting people and that quality that sometimes tries to creep in only does damage to yourself and it's it's not helpful for anyone and I've found in my life that the moments where I've been able to be genuinely happy for somebody else's success and you know really support them and be their cheerleader you empower yourself that way as well. Mm -hmm. There's something really beautiful about that. It's getting to that space where you can recognize individual talents and achievements and individual, you know, everybody is unique and has something to offer. And when somebody else is doing well at something, that's, that's not at the detriment to you. I think when someone else wins, you win. And that's how I look at it. 
Yeah, mm. alignment is important. Even, you know, when I started Britain's Got Talent, Amanda and I, we went for a coffee. We went um, yeah. and sat down and had a really deep heart to heart. This was before we even did the first filming day of auditions. And we said, mm. let's not allow the media to pit us against each other. Let's support one another. Let's be role models to our young girls. We're girls, girls. Mm. That was really important. And we've, we've worked together now for 10 years. And that still yeah. stands strong to this day. And, for, and, and, and I don't know if you realize this, but in the sort of early X Factor days, there was always this rivalry between the female judges. And a lot of that came from the media. But a lot of that stuff actually happened. But we've, we've never had that on our show. We make sure it's a family um, show, that there's unity, there's support. And as I said, standing there being somebody's cheerleader, it's really important. And, and that's how I want my kids to be. Yeah, and as you say, if you lay that groundwork and you don't allow that drama to happen, you know, there'll mm. always be people who make stuff up. But generally, if you make it as friendly as possible and you do support other women genuinely, then that, that bears out and people can't say otherwise. Yeah, and I think it's, it's really like zooming out and looking at the bigger picture and thinking about the journey that women have been on and the suppression that women have had and still have today in many places in the world. We haven't got time for the small stuff. There's a bigger picture at play. Mm. There's still work to do. So for me, you know, any kind of um, tit for tat and pettiness and jealousy, I haven't got the time or the energy for it. I'm thinking about women that weren't allowed to vote or women that were in slavery or women that don't have a voice or have control over their livelihoods. These are the things I think about. So that's why I say when I see women winning and doing well and in powerful positions and ownership and independence, that's what inspires me and motivates me because there's still a long way to go. Yeah, fantastic. As you say, it's all part of the same picture, isn't it? Well, that's it. You, yeah. Your second piece of advice is to understand that families come in different shapes and sizes. Yeah. And I know this <laughs> relates to your book, but I guess it would yeah. relate to your life too. Oh, yes. No family is more colourful than mine. <laughs> I think when I was growing up, I... I used to have that sort of envious thing where I would look at a family that, you know, I would call it the 2.4 children, you know, mum, dad, the children together, you know, all one happy family. And I would feel so envious that I never had that. And actually, it was always one of my lifelong dreams to rewrite the rules for my own family and, you know, have that healthy relationship with, you know, my children. And fortunately, I'm in that situation. And I feel like I've manifested that for my life, which is fantastic. But you know, growing up, yes, my family was very colourful. I've had stepbrothers, stepsisters, um, stepmom, you know, and that is part of my makeup. It's who I am. Of course, when I was younger, there were moments where I didn't like that. And when people would ask me how many brothers and sisters I have, I was always embarrassed to say, and I had to explain, you know, the different dynamics of my family. But it was outside of me. It was out side of it was out of my control and I think all of us have that moment where we wake up and we think okay I'm going to view my parents as human beings <laughs> not as <laughs> mum and dad and you recognize that you know all of us yeah. are trying to figure life out and people make mistakes and so I've tried to embrace it as much as possible realize that it's made me who I am and it's made me the adaptable person that I am because I've kind of grown up in a a non-traditional way which so many mm. people have and that's I think again bringing it back to the book that's why I thought it was such an interesting thing to write about because it's so common 
Yeah, absolutely. And how you, you know, as you said, you have now manifested this literally two two children. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Solid family unit. How do yeah. you then talk to your daughters and make sure that they recognise that different people have different lives? Do you know, I've not really got into those deep conversations with Azura yet. I mean, she's mm. seven now and she's still in that, you know, I've met some seven-year-olds that are quite mature and quite advanced and Azura is very clever, but she's still got that beautiful innocence and naivety yeah. about her, which I love. And Azuka and I talk about holding on to that for as long as possible because it's just so nice when they're just in that lovely yeah. bubble. And I want to keep her there as much as possible. So she's not really tapped into that side of things yet. It's not something she's mindful of or tuned into. But of course, the day will come where she will ask questions. And, you know, I sort of look forward to it and dread it all at the same time when the questions come. And, you know, it's going to be our job to, you know, just explain to her how the world works. Yeah, it's it's tricky. I mean, there's no rule book, is there, that comes with being a parent. No, You're sort of learning on the sadly. job. Yeah. Again, in a way, I'm kind of kind to myself where I don't give myself a hard time about not being a perfect parent because I, I also recognise that, you know, I'm human and I don't get everything right all the time. But what I do try mm. to always do is learn from any mistakes I make and hopefully not repeat them because I think the lesson yeah. just keeps coming around, doesn't it, until you learn it. So hopefully our kids can learn quicker than we did. I kind of didn't figure it out till I was in my <laughs> 30s. I'd like Azura to figure it out by the time she's 10. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's got it all down by the time she's 10. She's got it down. Yeah. <laughs> Deadline. <you> and <laughs> it, it does feed into your third piece of advice. You know, you're okay. talking about like modeling rather than explicitly talking to kids always all the time. And it's to introduce your children to diverse, you know, books, music and film. Is that something that you take quite seriously? I wouldn't say I take it quite seriously. But again, it just comes back to making that part of everyday life and just trying to mm. expose her to as many different things as possible without forcing it as well. I think we are more, we're quite free in our parenting style in that we just give her the freedom to discover and find things that she wants. Maybe it's sort of like a gentle nudge to something or we might yeah. hand her something and sometimes she's not interested and that's kids, isn't it? You know, So we just sort of naturally yeah in our taste of whether it's music or the movies or the books we're reading, we just keep it as fluid and as diverse as we possibly can in a, in a relaxed way. And hopefully that's good enough. I mean, there is a big push, you know, from a lot of parents now making sure that those resources are in the house, at least, as you say, so that you can find them and it's more natural and that you're not, that children aren't just facing one kind of kid in their book over and over again, you know? Yeah, exactly. And also like little subtle things like... I'll, I might put a book at the moment she's got a book on her bedside table and it's about um, black women in history and it's done in a really lovely way and the animations are fantastic and I don't sort of force the book on her but every now and then I'll say oh let's 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 pick a, a woman to read about today so we might read about an amazing you know denti uh, sort of nurse or doctor or you know mm. a politician and and she'll pick out that that person that she wants to read about that day and I feel like it's done in a subtle way because it's quite palatable. It's easy reading and it's not forcing it on her, but it's on her bedside table. So she sees it every day. And, and there's so many characters, whether it's Rosa Parks or Oprah Winfrey, whoever it is, that she'll then learn about them and a, and a little bit of history about them. And I think that's quite a nice yeah. way to do it. 
and your books are now part of that narrative too. I mean, you talked about World Book Day. You must, your mm. Instagram must go crazy on World Book Day. Getting yeah, it does. Of girls. That must be lovely <laughs> oh, to see. That for me is one of my favourite things. And Azura actually asking to go to school dressed as Aurora Beam was lovely. I, that was the moment I was waiting for. And it was really lovely and I just felt so proud. And in a way, it was almost like, yep, job job done. (laughs) That's how it felt, (laughs) you know, that she felt like she had someone that she could identify with and and proudly go to school as. I was like, yes. And then when I, like you say, when I go on my Instagram and all the parents tag me and I see all the other kids, I love it. And I try to reshare as many of them as possible. Yeah, there's no bigger compliment than a child choosing your book and your character to go yeah. to school on World Book Day. As it's, it's a fantastic feeling and it excites me every time. And um, it's quite a simple outfit as well. And a lot of parents have said to me, oh, I love the fact that Aurora's in her jeans and her trainers and my, my daughter doesn't want to dress as a princess and she just wants to go to school feeling cool and feeling like herself. And, and, and that's lovely. So again, feels like job done. When the parents are pleased, <laughs> then I'm pleased. So it's win-win. <laughs> yeah, completely adorable. We'll be yeah. back with more from Alicia after this. We're still here with Alicia and I'd love if you could just share your fourth piece of best advice. So my fourth piece of advice is about always pursuing your passion. And I remember this conversation I had with my mum and my dad when I was young. And I think there was a, basically there was a period of time in my life where I wanted to be a teacher. And of course I loved music, but to me that was Mars. So I set my sights on what I would call more realistic goals. And I wanted to go to Loughborough and I wanted to study sport and I wanted to be a teacher. And I remember telling my mum and my dad that I wanted to be a teacher. And I remember my dad kind of like shutting the idea down because he didn't think teachers earned enough money. And I remember having that conversation with my dad was like, I'm not doing it for the money. I just think I could be a great teacher. And he wanted me to be an accountant, never gonna happen. Stockbroker, never gonna happen. Barrister, never gonna happen. So he had all these unrealistic jobs for me because they just weren't my passion. But he would have seen that as successful because I was earning good money. And then whereas my mom, she was more, well, when you wake up in the morning, you need to feel good about what you're doing. You need to look forward to going to work. You don't want your livelihood and your job to feel like a chore. So when I chose to get into the music industry, and again, of course, my dad was like, no, you can't do it. It wasn't that he was against it. He was just so nervous because, of course, if you look at the music industry, as a parent, if your child turns around and says to you, okay, I'm not going to university, I'm going to join a girl group. I mean, it's not exactly what you want to hear, is it, as a parent? Whereas my mum was more like, no, if this feels right in your soul, if this is what feels is your passion, you must pursue this. And that's really what drove me, what my mum said, because I thought, yeah, that, that is what feels right. That is what I feel like I'm gravitating towards and I'm going to follow that instinct. And so I always say to people, follow that, follow your passion. You have one life. You want, just make the most of it. Don't, don't like, I mean, I was saying to somebody earlier, you know, in a way, the regrets are the not trying. The regrets are, oh, I wish I'd tried that. I wish I'd done that. And you don't ever want to get to that place in your life where you didn't give you, yourself a chance. Give yourself a chance. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like... <laughs> so, again, I feel very fortunate that that risk that I took paid off. Of course, it could have gone yeah. wrong. I know that. But I'm really grateful that I listened to that voice because I can genuinely say... I love my job. Yeah. If anybody has a passion or something they're interested in, just try it. 
You know, even if it's a side、mm. hustle, you know, just try. If it doesn't work out, at least you can say you gave it a go. Absolutely, and it feeds into your fifth piece of advice, which is to、mm-hmm. also take opportunities that life gives you. I mean,、yeah. for you, how did that fit? I mean, you've obviously kind of done big swerves that people might not necessarily have expected you to take, for instance. Yeah, exactly. But again, it comes back to just doing something that feels authentic to you. If an opportunity comes my way and it doesn't feel right, there's a resistance, and I can feel it. And I find myself saying no to a lot of things more than I do yes、okay. because I'm very mindful of only applying myself or saying yes to things that physically feel good, mentally feel good. I feel like I can offer something, feels like it's a part of who I am. And yeah, opportunities again. Listen to that voice. Listen to that. That internal instinct, and hopefully you'll make the right decision for your life. Yeah, I mean, talking about opportunities, and you know, talking about your daughters. I mean, do you have ideal career paths in mind for them, or do you try and let it? Absolutely、flow? not. <laughs> Absolutely、yeah. not. I want my girls to surprise me. I want them to show me who they are. I don't want to tell them who they are. I don't secretly hope that Azura is an actress or a singer or an astronaut. I just want Azura to be. Whoever she wants to be, and again, it's our job to encourage her. So whether it's you know the Nintendo game that she's playing on a weekend, we're we're the kind of parents that will say things to her like, you know, you could create the game. You know,、right. we tried to get her to think outside the box. You know, you know, you could be the person that actually makes the games that people play. We try to just give her a different way of thinking and approaching、yeah. something. So that's all we do. We plant suggestions, and hopefully, her little brain will tick away and think, oh. Yes, I could do that, and so I'm. I'm really excited to see. I think that's quite exciting for most parents to see what their children are going to gravitate towards, you know. And I'm sure those, you know, the things that she wants to do will change over the years. And all we're going to do is act as a support system and encourage and nurture. And it's just going to be an interesting ride. She might say, "Mum, I don't want to do anything. I just want to sit on the couch and watch box sets." And at that point, I might have a strong opinion. Might get involved. Might get a bit、yeah. controlling, but if that doesn't happen, I'm happy to just let her do her thing. At the moment, my prediction、yeah. is that she's going to become a stand-up comedian because she's、really? genuinely fun. She's genuinely funny and very witty. And I even went to the dentist the other day, and my my partner had taken her into the dentist a couple of weeks before, and the dentist said to me, "Your daughter's not short of a personality, is she? I think she's going to be a stand-up comedian." And I was like, "That's what I think she's going to be." <laughs> oh gosh, that's hilarious! She'll be spilling all your details on stage. Well,、Not、that's、sure、it. Yeah, that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good.、Um, your final piece of、uh, best advice is that your mental well-being should always come first. So, is that something you've learned across your career? Has it always been the case for you? Oh, that's a good question. I have always been mindful. Of my mental well-being, and I've also been aware, you know, many moons ago, many years ago, when I first got into the industry, how sort of like、um, vulnerable and fragile you are as an artist.、Mm. I think artists, you know, when you do music, it's an extension of who you are. So there's a there's a vulnerability that comes with that, and artists and creative people are quite sensitive beings. And I think you do have to find a way to sort of protect yourself and put that barrier around yourself, and you learn how to do that over the years. And I think if no matter who you are, you know everyone has been through something in their life that 
acts as a pain body, as Eckhart Tolle likes to talk about, or a thorn or um, sort of like something that we associate with the past that affects mm. our present. And we have to all find a way to sort of like navigate our way through those demons, as I like to call them. We have to do the work on ourselves. And some people are very lucky that they do the work early. And some people, it's a, it's a lifelong thing of trying to work your way to a place in your mind where you're in a healthy space, um, you're the observer of your own mind, you're not controlled by your mind, and that you deal with things and challenges and issues in your life in a sort of calm, sort of manageable, sensible way. Because I think the biggest challenge, I think, for most people is trying to live a happy, healthy, balanced life without allowing stress and being overwhelmed by life to sort of get in the way and as I said baggage from the past or whatever it might be so I think that's a, a daily challenge for a lot of people I'm yet to meet anyone that doesn't have something that they're working on or dealing with and I think we can all connect and relate to one another in that respect so yeah I do I do make it make it a priority to make sure that I'm okay and I know the I know the tools to be okay and for me it it's working out it's being healthy it's eating right, it's um, just mindfulness and being present. There's lots of different things that I do that contribute to being in the, the space that I'm in. It's not just one thing. And like all people, I have days where I'm off balance and I don't feel good and I have down days and I have down periods in my life, but I always try to find my way back to that positive place and that healthy place where I know I sit best and that's in a space of feeling balanced and um, in tune and connected. And, and a lot of that really is about how I choose to live my life every day. And that is the small things, whether it's time for yourself, whether it's um, some, doing something you're passionate about, where it, whether it's time with nature, whether it's working out, eating healthy, taking your supplements, whatever it is, whatever you need to do, read a book, go for a walk, just do something every day where you're being kind to yourself. So I think mm. we live in such a, a fast-paced life that finding even five minutes for yourself especially when you're juggling work and children is really hard for a lot of people and I think people feel really overwhelmed and it's when you get to that point that it's it's not manageable and you know the last two years where we've all been challenged and there's been so much change and we've all had to slow down a lot I think that's been a positive thing to come out of the last couple of years one thing I'm so grateful for in my life is that my children have sort of really kept me in a good place because I care so much about them having a happy childhood and a lovely home that it keeps me in a really grounded place and mm. they are my sort of like moral compass in that in that respect. So yeah, my my having my first baby, it was definitely the making of me, I would say. I was I was definitely a bit reckless before my first child. And I'm on the straight and narrow now. I'm a saint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right not Saturdays and Sundays maybe Monday to Friday I'm a saint <laughs> Monday to, yeah that's fine that's like 80% saint yeah it's balanced yeah. isn't it 80% yeah. exactly yeah that's fine that's like an A star right so Alicia we always tried to end the podcast on a bad piece of advice that you've been oh, given no. and totally ignored um because, you know, sometimes we can learn from these kind of things. Do you have anything for us in that sense? Bad piece of advice. Oh, my goodness. Well, apart from my dad wanting me to be an accountant or a stockbroker and yeah. um, discouraging me from being a teacher, 
which I thought was terrible advice. Oh, and don't get into the music industry because、yeah. black people won't sell any music in the UK. Terrible advice. Oh God!、Um, and I'm glad I didn't listen to that. Somebody also advised me not to go onto Strictly Come Dancing, which was terrible、yeah. advice as well. You won't sell、yeah. any records if you go on Strictly Come Dancing. This、yeah. is how people think, and I and I ignored that person. I thought, no, I really want to go on Strictly Come Dancing. I love dance, and I want to learn how to do the ball. I want to learn how to tango. I'm going on Strictly Come Dancing,、yeah. and fortunately, I had my biggest selling album off the back of the show. I went on to have a platinum record, so I'm glad I ignored that advice.、Um, so, really, the, the, the good news is people can give you advice. Don't always listen to it. Stick to your own compass. Do what feels right for you. And you know, you you know when someone's giving you good advice, you can feel it. You can feel it because、yeah. you're like, yeah, yeah, thank you. I needed to hear that. Essentially, you have to make the decision for your life. No one knows you better than you know you, apart from maybe your mum. I mean, my mum's always given me good advice, so I, I can't、yeah. I can't throw her under the bus with this one. All of my mum's advice has been positive, and it's paid off. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we're glad you ignored all of that. Yeah, definitely. You're strictly was it a cha 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 you did to Beyonce crazy? Yeah.、Enough? I mean, that's、yeah. like top three all time strictly dances. Oh,、so. oh, thank, thank you. Thank God that you was a fun moment. I know、oh、exactly, exactly. That show changed my life, and and people can get into your head like that, you know. Because I remember that meeting so clearly, and it was with a really、um, high up record executive that said to me, "Don't go on Strictly Come Dancing; it'll be the end of your career." And I'm so glad I didn't listen to him. The best advice I can give anyone is just trust trust your own instincts. Hopefully, they won't let you down. Brilliant! Thank you so much for that, Alicia. I've absolutely loved、thank、talking、you. to you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Alicia Dixon. What a great chat! I did tell you. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Alicia's new children's book is called Girls Rule. Thanks as always for being with us. Please share this episode with friends and family. A personal recommendation obviously means so much to us if you're enjoying the show. And of course, there are so many brilliant women in our back catalogue. Sticking with the Strictly theme, we've had Claudia Winkleman just a few weeks ago, and if you scroll through the feed, you'll find Katie Piper, Anita Rani, Laura Mvula, Davina McCall. There are so many more. Go see who takes your fancy, and I'll see you next time with another brilliant woman. <laughs>